On this episode of the BYO Nano Podcast, with the holiday season fast approaching, we're going to be talking about food and gifts, specifically how working with a restaurant can be a boon for your small brewery and how the right merch can increase your revenue. Hi, this is John Hall, and welcome to episode 35. From making sure your guests are full and happy to comfortable and stylish, this episode will cover the intersection of beer and food and finding options that might be right for your small brewery. It'll also discuss how merchandise and a well-placed gift shop will help to encourage guests to leave with a shirt, a glass, or a specialty item. And that's something that's certainly good for the bottom line. But first, a word of thanks to the show's sponsors, and we hope you'll give them a closer look. Yakima Chief Hops has the tools for your hop playbook, from classic favorites to the next exciting hop project out of the YCH R&D Lab. Partnering with growers and brewers to create a robust hop supply chain from propagation to pint, YCH is the source for exciting experimental hop varietals, including HBC 586, HBC 630, and HBC 638. Explore novel aroma profiles, discover new recipes, and get creative with experimental hop varieties. Learn more at yakmachief.com. This episode is also sponsored by Blickman Pro Brewing. With superior engineering and unrivaled service, Blickman Pro Brewing Equipment is designed from the ground up to generate a quick return on your investment by getting you up and running as efficiently as possible without sacrificing quality. These systems are versatile and flexible enough to give you room to grow with a modular design that can fit any space. Visit BlickmanPro.com to learn more about their 1 to 10 barrel brew house systems and cellaring equipment. And this episode is also brought to you by Fermentus. Hey, Nano Brewers, discover Safe Brew BR 8 by Fermentus, the first dry brett for secondary fermentation. This yeast strain is a reliable tool for attaining a slightly funky, specific phenolic character to your beers and is available in 100 gram sachets, as well as the whole Safe Lager and Safe Ale yeast range. Discover more about Safe Brew BR 8 or other yeast strains by going to fermentus.com. And you can get access to hundreds of hours of on-demand videos covering small craft brewery strategies with BYO's Nano Plus membership. Learn from craft beer experts, watching replays of past NanoCon seminars, plus a complete library of in-depth workshops. You'll also have full online access to all of BYO's digital content and an annual print magazine subscription. Check out byo.com slash nanoplus for more details. Beer and food just go together, and over the last 40 or so years, we've seen American brewers really push the boundaries on pairing while also paying homage to the classics. While it's true that some nano breweries just want to offer a taproom experience and maybe a few snacks, there's also a number of places that want to offer a full meal. Running a kitchen is hard, and having a restaurant component is like having a second business under the same roof. In Bennington, Vermont, Seth Barrows opened Farm Road Brewery in 2021 after years of thought and planning. He struck up a relationship with a local restaurant owner, and together they've been offering up the kind of pub food that breweries are known for, but in a way that works for two local entities to grow and thrive. It's a relationship that other nanobreweries, especially those in planning, can learn from. Barrows spoke to me from the brewery in Vermont. I want to start with a little bit of biographical information, though, of sure. how you came to beer and how you eventually came to open up Farm Road Brewing. Yep. I um, 
Well, like everybody else, I was a, I was a home brewer. Um, I did, I spent 27 years uh, flying in the military. I did nine years in the Navy and then 18 years active duty with the New York Air National Guard. Um, as I got towards an age where I knew my military career was coming to an end, um, I realized that I didn't want to have a job. I didn't, I didn't want to have a boss again. And so that meant I was going to open my own business. And then I started home brewing and I looked at my wife and I said, what do you think about opening a brewery? And she didn't say you're nuts. So, um, <laughs> did she we, say something stronger? <laughs> no, uh, she said, go for it. And so we went for it and I, I went to, I, I knew I didn't know what I didn't know. So I did, um, I graduated from the American Brewers Guild in, uh, 2017 and then, um, you know, spent the next couple of years in my brain planning it all out. And then finally, um, 2019, we said, let's go for it. And by the time COVID hit, the train had already left the station. So yeah. we were, we were rolling with it no matter what. And, um, spent, actually spent 2020 doing most of the build out and get it, getting everything going and opened up in February, 21. Those years between graduating the ABG mm -hmm. and actually pulling the trigger and, 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 and starting the business. Um, you said you spent it in your head, you know, thinking about it a little bit. Mm -hmm. How much did that help crystallize what the business was going to be as opposed to just graduating and okay, we're going to break ground and, and, and do it. Um, I don't really no, I mean, I'm sure it did help. It's hard to, you know, go, well, what if we had opened in 2018? Um, I think the, the, you know what it is, it, the biggest thing was, was I ready to do it? And I, you know, every year it was like, okay, do we do it this year? And then it was like, okay, no. Um, it really just came down to, I needed to rip the bandaid off and just do it. Um, you know, because the reason, I think the reason I didn't do it earlier was just out of, um, I think fear is a little bit too strong of a word, but it's, it's, you know, right there. It's, you know, the, the unknown going from a steady paycheck and a, you know, a pretty good paycheck to, you know, not a steady paycheck and who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. So I, I just had to do it. And in retrospect, actually, I'm glad I didn't do it because then I would have had to deal with COVID and who knows what would happen. Yeah. So as you were thinking about, what you wanted your brewery to be mm -hmm. how, how did farm road come together and 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 what is it a representation of as far as you know, your brewing talents your your vision yep um well growing up in vermont living in vermont um you know we've got the highest per capita brewery uh, breweries in the country and have have had that for years and if you you know, walk into any grocery store or any, um, you know, any gas station, just look at the beer cooler. I knew that, you know, opening a large production brewery was not, not the way to go. And in fact, if you talk to other large production brewers, they tell you that's, a, that's not, not the way to go right now. Um, and it never was going to be for me. I always wanted brewing is something that I enjoy doing. I, I didn't want to be just a business owner that, you know, has brewers. I, I want to be the brewer. Um, so the taproom model, which is what we are just a four barrel system 
um, with about you know, 45 seats inside, 35 seats outside. Um, that's that's what I wanted, and I knew that that's that's where you know I'm never going to make a million dollars, but I'm making I'm making enough where I'm comfortable and I'm happy with what we're doing and I'm happy with the the product that we're putting out, the um, and the smallness of what we are allows me to do that. You know, I enjoy, I enjoy making all different kinds of beer. I enjoy drinking all different kinds of beer. So we have 11 beers on tap and only two of them are IPAs. The rest are, you know, we have a Saison, we have a blonde, we have a stout porter. Um, we've done some sours. Uh, we did an Oktoberfest. It allows us to put beers all over the map, you know, and have a pretty good selection out there. And that's, that's what I wanted. And that's what we're doing. And you've been able to maintain that since opening. Yes. Yeah. I imagine there's got to be polls from different sides though, right? I, I, in countless conversations with, with brewers, uh, regardless of size, it's, you know, I always wanted to be in the brew house and now I find myself doing spreadsheets and I miss the, you know, mm-hmm. I miss mashing in and et cetera, et cetera. And then, or, you know, vice versa, you know, like I, I thought I'd be doing spreadsheets, but I'm down a person. So here I am mashing in and, yeah. um, how have you have you experienced those polls and if so how have you managed them um i have not i have gotten i got extremely lucky i in as far as my employees or my employee i only have one full-time employee and she's amazing um i in my head the plan was always you know when we first opened it was going to be sweat equity i was going to do everything including work the bar. And that lasted about a week. And then I, you know, I found a couple of part-time employees, including my current one now. Um, and the, the idea being that I wanted to find somebody to, to manage the front of the house for me so that I could focus on the beer in the back. And I found Erin, she came in, I hired her full-time. She runs that front of the house. Um, I, I don't even, she, she knows how to run it better than I do. So that's taken from there. And then she actually expressed an interest in brewing. And so I've been teaching her how to brew and she's, she's brewed on her own for the last um, five or six brews that we've done. And to me, as an, I, I grew up in the military as an instructor, I was always teaching people how to fly. That was what I did. And to now be back in that instructor role that I used to do. It's very, it's very rewarding for me. It's very to see her do that and get it and enjoy it. Um, I truly enjoy that. I never thought that I would do that though. So I don't know if that's a poll, if that's, you know, kind of what you're looking for in that question, but to me, it's not a poll as I, I love, I love to see that and we're small enough. And, and that's the other thing is I, I never wanted to have, you know, a whole bunch of employees because I can't, you know, I can't have a big payroll like that. So it's, it's, um, it's her and I, and then I have one other part-time bartender on Sunday and that's, I don't ever see it getting any bigger than that as far as my employees go. Um, because I don't have that restaurant that I have to deal with, uh, if we can get into, but yeah. Well, yeah. So let's talk about food then. Um, you don't have a restaurant, but you have a food component. Uh, and I want to unpack that a little bit, but when in your vision of farm road mm-hmm. did having food come into play always <laughs> for uh for two reasons really in the state of vermont you in order to serve a full pint 
you have to have food available. So you have to, you have to have a restaurant license in order to um, be able to pour a full pint, which to me was never an issue because I always looked at it as me personally, as somebody who travels around and, and wherever I go, that's the first thing I do is find the closest brewery. If that brewery doesn't have food, I tend not to stay as long, you know, and, and I knew that going into it, that if you don't have food, people are going to come in, they might have one, they might have two beers and they're going to go. But if you have food, if you have something, you know, for people to come have lunch or come have dinner, they're going to have more than one beer. Um, and that, that's just the way it works. So I always wanted to have a food component, no matter what the law says, uh, even though, you know, it's something in Vermont that you have to have anyway. So yeah. But some people will just do something small, like yep. you know, chips or you know something you can heat up in a microwave kind of thing, right? Um, to 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 get past that, um, you went a little bit more substantial with I, that. So, um, how did how did yeah. this relationship with uh, Romantos come about? It's well, like going back to, I always knew that I was going to have to have food and. As we progressed with the brewery, you know, even as we were doing the build out, I still didn't quite know. And it was actually right before we started the build out. I'm sorry. And one of my ideas was to go down to uh, the owner of Ramontos, who I knew well, and say, hey, here's what we're doing. Do you want to, you know, be the be the food person for us? And it just happened to be that we went in there into his place this was i think like march of 2020 or april of 2020 you know they weren't even open the door the front doors were open to go in and, and pick up your takeout and i walked in there and he said hey i heard you're open in the brewery and i said yeah i am he said what do you think about and i said done let's do it <laughs> you know he, i didn't even he let didn't even finish, finish the sentence yeah because i knew where it was going and that that's that was the best case scenario for me you know i had i had other thoughts in my head of okay, if this doesn't work out, what do I do? You know, do I just, you know, put out um, takeout menus around the brewery? And, and that's what people do for food because we have a, we have a, a sandwich shop and a burrito shop, a pizza. We have a bunch of places right around us where you could do takeout. You could do it that way. You know, and then I bring in a, a food truck or a cater or whatever, you know, Friday, Saturday. So that was my worst case scenario. Um, that's what I really didn't want to do, but yeah, I, 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 I don't want to say I looked into this. He wanted, that's my garage door opener. Sorry. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it was a great, great relationship. It was a great, uh, great way to do it. So what we did, this was right before we started the build out is I had Matt come in and I said, you know, our space is small upstairs. It's 1400 square feet. And that includes, uh, about 350 square feet of the brewery space. Um, so we kind of carved out a, like a kiosk place. Um, I don't really say that we have a kitchen. We call it the kitchen. It's not really a kitchen. Um, you know, there's a couple of pizza ovens in there. Uh, there's no hood. Um, you know, we went through the health department and everything else to make sure that everything that we were obviously that we were doing was legal. So, but um, it's a very small area in there. So what happens is a lot of the prep work happens down the street and and then they bring it in and then they do all the cooking right there so that makes sense but it, it was nice to have him on board immediately so that i could we could come in and i could say matt here's what i can give you um you know how do you how do you want me to lay this out for you so that was 
that was important. So, you know, to make sure that things would work for him. Yeah. So having that, I'm just, I'm thinking about brewers that are getting ready or thinking about opening a nano space. Um, You would advocate for try, if you're going to do food in the way that you are similarly, um, getting something dialed in during a build out phase, if possible. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and to do more, if you can, we couldn't, we couldn't put in a hood uh, just the way the building is laid out and the, we just couldn't do it. And I would hundred percent advocate for that for sure. Cause that opens up a whole lot more options. Um, but yeah, I would in the planning stages, if you've got a partner that you think, you know, would be interested, bring them, bring them in during the, during those planning stages and go, here's the space. Here's what I can give you. You know, what do you want? What do you need? And then you can go from there, you know, whether or not you, you want to be the one that owns the equipment or, or if you split the cost, it, it all depends, you know, it, what your situation is going to be. I would, I would advocate owning the equipment, but if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. Yeah. So in the relationship now, um, are you thinking about what's on the menu when you're brewing? Are you thinking about pairing or complementing or you know, and, and are they thinking about what they're offering, uh, based on seasonality, uh, beer availability, et cetera? Um, yes, we don't, <laughs> hesitant, let's, let's yes. say I would, yeah. I would like to do more of that. And in yeah. my brain, you know, it was, oh, that would be great. Let's do that. And then, you know, reality kind of hit and, and, you know, right now they're offering, um, you know, he's got a, like a, um, uh, what's he call it? He calls it the pilgrim. He's got a bunch of paninis and he's making, you know, um, a like Thanksgiving a Thanksgiving sandwich. Sandwich, yeah. And yeah. That, those kind of things. We did have a, we did have an Oktoberfest that people, they ripped right through it. So that's all gone, which that would have been the perfect beer to put with that. Um, but I have to say no, because we, 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 we just don't. And that's probably my fault just, to, you know, because I'm, I'm doing a thousand other things. So, and I just haven't done it. Okay. But is it, you say it's on your brain. So is it something that yeah. you hope you can get to at some point? And if so, like when it's on your brain, what do you see as the potential benefits to not only uh, what you both are doing, but also to folks who walk through your door? Yeah, it's just, it would be that customer experience. You know, it would be that one more little thing that we do that you know the customer sees and goes oh these these they, they care about what they're doing you know they, they want to make our experience happy so that that would be where where it would fall is that i'm thinking of if everything is under one corporate banner one company banner um it's easier to make changes if you need to if you know a yeah. relationship goes sideways or um you know however how have you structured this, you know, this, this, this partnership, are, are you doing regular check-ins? Is there, um, like an agreed upon, okay, we're going to reevaluate this every year or so. Um, or is it just, you're both local, you know, each other, there's a, a handshake understanding kind of thing. It's B. Okay. That works for us. That works very well for us because we both care about what's happening. I, and I'll say that I'm very, very lucky to have that relationship. 
I wouldn't suggest it to anybody because <laughs> um, you never know. Right. Um, I I did set and they understand it that that brewery is mine. That space is Farm Road Brewing. They, you know, and they have they have that small food space in there, but but the space is Farm Road. And so when it comes down to if, if an employee isn't working out or anything like that, those, those, those employees don't work for me. However, I, I made it clear that I have the final say that if I don't want that employee in my space, that employee is not in my space. And I would, I would definitely, anybody who's thinking about or looking at what I am doing is if you don't have, I, like I said, I'll go back. I'm super lucky with what I have. It's, it's a great relationship. It's a great understanding, but I would, I would be very careful and I would make sure that everything is laid out. Everything is printed out, you know, how, how you want it to run, because that's in the end, it's your brewery. And, you know, if the food sucks or the, if the, if their employees are, you know, not up to your standards, then you, you can't have them in there because now it's, now it's going to affect your business. How would you like to see this program evolve? We have a big outside space, so we did a couple of uh, barbecues this summer where he brought over a smoker and we had the smoker out there, you know, it was great. And we're already talking about doing things like that next summer and maybe more often next summer uh, with that outside space, you know, rather than just having, you know, the pizza ovens and the paninis um, and the wraps that we have, it gives us, gives us something else and something new for, for customers when we do, you know, to do a one-off like that, maybe every other week or something like that next summer. Yeah. So those are things that we're looking at. Um, and those are things that I, we're definitely going to do next summer to, uh, to run that beyond that. Um, the person who is, there's a, there's a new person full-time in there now that's being very creative with the food that he's making. And it's, and it's very exciting. And he's, he's excited about it. And he, you know, and it's fun because he, he'll bounce it off of me. And, and then the other thing that we just did is there's a guy down the road from us that makes all sorts of, he actually has a small hop farm. Um, okay. But he also makes, um, he makes things like mustard and cheeses and things like that. So he took some of our, one of our beers and he made a pub cheese with it. So that's now on the menu. Um, and that was a full collaboration between me and the guy down the street that makes the pub cheese and, and the restaurant. So that was fun. Um, you know, and that's something where I had some input to it. I wanted a small, just a small plate for, you know, people to have a snack, you know, something that's not, not all that expensive and you don't really want, you know, a full meal, you know, so now, you, now we've got a couple of snack options on there for people. And that's that a, really cool. You know? Yeah. No, that sounds like that's it's a good, good. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for sharing your insight and your your expertise on this um, on this area. I think that there's there's a lot of options out there for small brewers when it comes to uh, to, to food, and it, it sounds like what you've landed on um, works for you all, but could be translatable as long as folks approach it the right way. So I appreciate it for yeah. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks, John. We'll get back to the show in just a moment, but first, another word of thanks to our sponsors, and we hope you'll give them a closer look. Yakima Chief Hops has the tools for your hop playbook, from classic favorites to the next exciting hop project out of the YCH R&D Lab. 
partnering with growers and brewers to create a robust hop supply chain from propagation to pint. YCH is the source for exciting experimental hop varietals, including HBC 586, HBC 630, and HBC 638. Explore novel aroma profiles, discover new recipes, and get creative with experimental hop varieties. Learn more at yakmachief.com. This episode is also sponsored by Blickman Pro Brewing. With superior engineering and unrivaled service, Blickman Pro Brewing equipment is designed from the ground up to generate a quick return on your investment by getting you up and running as efficiently as possible without sacrificing quality. These systems are versatile and flexible enough to give you room to grow with a modular design that can fit any space. Visit BlickmanPro.com to learn more about their one to 10 barrel brew house systems and cellaring equipment. And this episode is also brought to you by Fermentus. Hey, Nano Brewers, discover Safe Brew BR 8 by Fermentus, the first dry brett for secondary fermentation. This yeast strain is a reliable tool for attaining a slightly funky, specific phenolic character to your beers and is available in 100 gram sachets, as well as the whole Safe Lager and Safe Ale yeast range. Discover more about Safe Brew BR 8 or other yeast strains by going to fermentus.com. And you can get access to hundreds of hours of on-demand videos covering small craft brewery strategies with BYO's Nano Plus membership. Learn from craft beer experts, watching replays of past NanoCon seminars, plus a complete library of in-depth workshops. You'll also have full online access to all of BYO's digital content and an annual print magazine subscription. Check out BYO.com slash Nano Plus for more details. During the recent NanoCon online, a question of merchandise popped up. There were brewers asking not only about fashion, but the bottom line. What a brewery has on offer in a gift shop can increase a customer's tab while also keeping the company top of mind. My next guest is Andrew Copeland. He's the founder of the Craft Beer Professionals Facebook group, as well as Secret Hopper. He's been well-versed on what works for breweries when it comes to selling specialty merch. And here he shares his unparalleled insights. With Secret Hopper, you mentioned uh, a, a more meaningful uh, customer experience. Where does merch fit into that? To that to that customer experience in 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 what you've observed over these years. So I'm so lucky to talk to a ton of people smarter than myself. And yesterday I had a conversation with Chris Farmand of a small batch standard. And Chris had a fantastic quote that was relevant for today. And what Chris said, Chris described merch as someone had such a wonderful experience that they want the party to keep going. And I absolutely <laughs> love that because it, it rings so true because we've all had that experience, John, I'm sure you have too. When you go to a brewery, the beer is delicious. The staff is engaging. The atmosphere is amazing. And you don't want to leave, but you have to drive home the next day because you're out of town. And so you end up buying a crowler and you buy that awesome t-shirt that you might not normally buy because you're much more easily convinced because of the quality of the experience. How have you seen, and I agree with that, and I want to sort of talk about that that extension of the experience, but to back up a little bit, what has been your, what have you seen as far as the evolution of what breweries have been offering as merch over the last couple of years? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting question. I think the individual brewery knows their target audience best, so they're going to know, and they should be asking their guests and their regulars the type of merchandise they like to see. You know, just like your beer lineup, I think there's value in having those flagships, those ones that have your standard logo. You probably should have a secondary design that people can purchase year-round. But I think it's also fun when we're talking merch, to mix it up a little bit seasonably. You know, I think I saw a brewery do one of those tacky Christmas sweaters last year. And it's fun to have those unique items that you might not sell a lot of, but increase that brand awareness. And when we're talking brewery merch, you know, think about all the breweries out there that are doing special releases. So many breweries now are doing special releases through apps instead of that line culture we once had where people are just reserving their beer in advance. Why not package that limited release with a limited edition T-shirt and make it, you know, just that overall package that you're buying through that app or in person? I think there's a lot of opportunity to create these unique combinations of beer and experience that involve that merchandise, where people aren't just getting the beer they're going to consume, share with their friends, but also have that limited release shirt that they're going to wear around town and brag about that they had the opportunity to be part of that experience. It's like uh, uh, wearing the, 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 the concert t-shirt uh, to prove that you were there. Well, I have the question for you now, John. Are you allowed to wear that brewery shirt to that brewery, just kind of like you don't wear the band shirt when you're seeing them live? <laughs> I think you're a little more likely to do that. I think it's a little more allowed. Uh, probably, mostly because the brewers wear it as well. And, and I always like seeing brewers wear other brewers' merch sometimes. It gets confusing at beer festivals when I, when I don't remember names. But there is something about, um, you know, it, brewers appreciating uh, being fans of beer as well. And I think when the designs are cool, um, they, they go along with it with the, with the seasonal or the special release. It, it made me uh, remember that Yazoo brewing in Nashville, Tennessee would put out a couple of different t-shirts during the course of the year. So it was some variation of their logo, but with different designs behind it. And it was always limited edition. And I think they used to do, you know, maybe four or five different shirts every year. And when it sold out, it sold out. And there were people, uh, fans of the brewery that would, you know, collect these, uh, you know, come in for the new shirt and would have their entire wardrobe made up of Yazoo shirts, which, you know, one, I mean, again, it's great advertising, but two, it's also just a, a it, it, it's a way to keep your fans um, engaged. No, I completely agree with that. I mean, having your fans who want to wear your brand on their shirt, wherever, you know, outside of your brewery, it's a win-win for everybody because they, they're feeling like they're part of your community, they're more invested, and you have that walking billboard around town or wherever they go. Have you seen in the breweries that you've talked to, the ones that actually put a little bit of extra thought into the materials themselves, right? Because, you know, I don't wear a ton of brewery shirts, but I've, I've certainly had shirts made up for, you know, the various companies that I'm involved with. And, you know, I have bought shirts in the past um, and I prefer a better quality shirt as opposed to, you know, for a while, those really thin, um, what was the, the American apparel Right. Those like super tissue paper thin T-shirts were popular for a while, um, which didn't really work, I think, for a lot of the beer drinking set um, or, you know, those generic Hanes, you know, the the, the beefy ringer tees um, kind of thing. But if, if somebody puts some thought into the material and the fit as opposed to just a, 
you know, generic one size fits all. Does that do better when it comes to, it, to, to selling? Yeah, I do believe it does better, but I think it comes down to something you alluded to. People like to touch shirts before they buy them to make sure it's what they want. Because, you know, what you described as your ideal shirt sounds like you like something a little bit heavier than I might like. I like something that's soft and comfy. When I just touch that, not necessarily American apparel, but something that has a similar feel, that's going to make me more likely to buy it. So I think an important part about a merch display in a tap room is for the guests to have the ability to simply touch it before they make that purchase, whether they like that soft and comfy or something a little more durable that might kind of last in their brew house if they're a brewer. Yeah. And it's also, you can have different material, different, different shapes. I think about when I visit some of the larger breweries that obviously have uh, you know, gift shops attached to them. Um, they're going to have a bunch of different vendors and a bunch, a bunch of different suppliers uh, so that you can find something that, that sort of suits you. But um that's something that can be achievable on a smaller scale too. Would you think? No, I, I would agree. You know, I think it's nice to have a good product mix as we've alluded to. And that product mix just doesn't mean different designs. It means different styles. It means different fabrics. It means different mediums, whether you're talking shirts, sweatshirts, tank tops, maybe some sort of shorts. I've even seen pants at some breweries before with like the logo on the back or something. You, ha you have to be diverse in your offerings. That way you're appealing to your audience. Because everyone who comes through your door is just like when they're looking for a beer, they're going to want to find what's right for them. So I think having options is important. But with that said, you don't want to go over the top and have, you know, 50 different brewery options that overwhelms the customer. You want to make sure it's easy to take in. That way they have those options that are, you know, that they can touch. They're at a decent height where they can see them. They're at a location in the tap room. They don't necessarily have to bother the bartender to, you know, get close to them. There's a lot of factors that really come down to making sure your guests find that most important item of merchandise for them. Where does glassware fit into this conversation? Well, that's an interesting one. Because when I think merchandise, sometimes while I do think glassware, you necessarily had me coming into this thinking more as like clothing type merches when we first started talking about this. But I do believe glassware is an important part, especially for the more, you know, beer nerd like customer. I think we all have favorite pint glasses that we bring home that have <laughs> some sort of meaning. I think often they tell a story. You'll remember the time you had a beer at, you know, Schlafly in St. Louis and you got this perfect, you know, glass and you brought it home and it became your favorite taster when you pour a pint at your house. So I think having unique pint glasses is just the same as having that merchandise, you know, whether it's a pint glass or a unique, you know, resealable, you know, insulated growl that you can take to the next brewery. It's all a branding play, but it's having your logo in front of that person when they're not in your tap room, especially when they're in their kitchen or they're consuming their beverage with friends. So you were talking about the customer experience and how, you know, if somebody has a good time, uh, they're going to want to buy those growlers. They're going to want to buy the t-shirt to prove that they were there, but also to sort of remember that, um, that, that, that good time. It's not just going to be enough to have that display and that easy display uh, that that you were just mentioning. Um, there needs to be some sort of staff understanding of, well, let's try to move the merchandise. Um, what what have you seen that works when it comes to training staff, engaging staff to move those extra items, you know, as either a you know, mid visit or last minute purchase 
at a brewery? Yeah, that's a great question, John. And you mentioned earlier that you love it when you see brewers wearing, you know, other brewery shirts. When I'm thinking taproom staff, you know, I like to actually see taproom staff wearing their own shirt because if I'm out of town in particular. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I'm I, I mean, brewery, it's brew deck for it's front of house versus back of house. But yeah, absolutely. So like if, if I'm at a brewery and I see, you know, that taproom bartender wearing someone else's shirt, I'm going to say, oh, you know, what do you think of that brewery? And they're going to say back, you know, they make fantastic beer. Of course, that's why I'm wearing the shirt. Then I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to close my tab here. I'm only in town for a few days. Let me go try that brewery. So I think first go off, across you town. Need, yeah, you need to have your staff rep your brand. That's really important. And I talk a lot about just simply asking questions, whether it's, hey, John, would you like another one of those loggers? Like, hey, John, would you like to take some home with you? You also need to find ways for your staff to authentically encourage someone to buy merchandise. If it's a traveler who's having a really good time, they may be more willing to bring that shirt home with them. So kind of pepper it into your conversation. Of course, you don't want to sound like a robot and make it forced. But if you find that situation where you notice someone really likes your logo, is having a fantastic time, and they don't want it to end, it's definitely another form of the upsell where you can simply ask the question, you know, we have merchandise over there if you'd like to take a peek or, you know, if you really like that lager, well, we have a limited release shirt you might like to, might like to have as well. So find ways to authentically encourage it. And another cheat, it's not necessarily a cheat, but also consider putting, you know, merchandise on your menu. If you and I, John, are at a brewery together and we're kind of scouring the menu for all the data we can consume at that point in time, also put that your merchandise options are available. Put the sizes you have, put the designs you have, put the prices. That way, you know, it's available or at least to say, be sure to check out the merch on the back wall. You need yeah. to make people aware the other day, I was having a conversation with Michael Varda of Crappier Advisory Services, and he does a lot of taproom-based data. And a study that he did recently found that 53% of people who go to taprooms are what he refers to as social gatherers. They're not necessarily going for the beer. They're just going to get out, have an experience, go to a concert, just something to do with friends. So they're looking for some sort of social event. But with that said, a lot of these people might not be beer drinkers. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to educate and, you know, educating them about beer to go, that you make your beer on site, but also that you've got really cool merchandise as well. It could be their first experience at your brewery, and they may love to remember that by a t-shirt. So simply asking the questions by getting to know your guests. There's a lot of value by getting people to buy merchandise. And I know you like data, John, and we have found <laughs> that when that's not true at all, I don't deal in the factual realm. <laughs> I, I've found that, you know, you got to have your merch in a good location. It needs to be clearly priced. And we find that simply by putting your merch in an area that's visible and clearly priced, guests are 10% more likely to make that purchase. And when guests purchase merchandise, we see tabs 30% higher. So make sure if you're doing anything, you're not throwing your merch rack in the back corner that no one sees because it's dark and dingy, but put it in a spot that's accessible with prices, preferably printed out, where people don't have to bother the bartender in a busy Saturday afternoon with a line a mile long, but they can find what they want, touch it because it's nice and soft, and take it up to the bar and easily make the purchase. I, I'm I'm learning that you're a fan of nice and soft t-shirts, uh, which uh, I'm going to keep I in mind for. I better go all in on this. Uh, <laughs> you have to. I mean, I'm not advocating for you know rough and scratchy, but it's uh, um, you know, something with like a little bit of heft to it. Um, I, I I'm curious about where you think um, competitive pricing for merch should be, because I'm always a little bit. 
I, I'm, I'm not cheap by any means. And my, and my bar tabs will prove that. Um, but if I'm going to buy something, I want it to be in a certain range that I feel is like reasonable for buying a t-shirt, you know, and as like a middle-aged guy, like it's probably not, you know, I'm not dressing for fashion. Um, but sometimes when I see, you know, breweries, like here's our $50 t-shirt, I'm like, well, you're out of your mind. Um, and maybe people are buying it, but is there something to be said for competitive pricing for, again, that walking billboard and let's make some money on this, but also let's try to move as much of this as we can so that we're getting visibility in the larger world? Yeah. So I'm going to start with a story, then kind of give you an answer to what you just okay. asked. So the story yeah. is there was a brewery near me here in Virginia. And when they first opened, they were looking for unique ways to make their grand opening a little more memorable. And I told them, give the first 500 guests who come through your doors a free t-shirt. Just plaster your brewery name on it, simple black or white shirt. Just put your logo on the front. Nothing fancy about it. But guess what? When you go to a brewery for the first experience and you are given a free shirt, one, you're going to remember that. You're going to remember you got the shirt. You're going to wear it around town. Yeah. And it's just a neat little story to tell about, oh, you remember the time we went to so-and-so for their grand opening and I got this shirt. You're going I to got the shirt. Proud. Yeah. But I'm not saying you should always give away your merchandise because you should absolutely not do that. But I'm not also here to tell you the best way to price it. I think it's really comes down to knowing your audience. Personally, I believe that it should be affordable and accessible a lot like you, John. You know, if I'm going to a brewery and the shirt's 50 bucks because it's super limited edition, I'm probably not going to buy it. But if yeah. I'm going there and I'm on the fence and it is more affordable, I'm definitely more apt to make that purchase. And I'm a big advocate for using merchandise as a branding play. You know, get people walking around town, get them wearing your shirt in other breweries, wearing it around their friends, family, on their travels. I think there's huge value that's often untrackable of that ROI on having someone around town wearing your logo with your brand on it. So, yeah. you know, I believe it definitely should be more affordable than not what that is in your market. I do not know the answer, but I definitely believe there is value in having, you know, that shirt, something that people will consider buying versus looking at it and be scared away by the price. Do you see any evolution in small brewery merch beyond the, the, the t-shirt pint glass? You know, when I talk to breweries about events, I tell them to try anything once. I would definitely consider doing limited runs of more unique items, whether it's simply doing like a random tie-dye variant of your t-shirt or finding some unique, like I've seen like those silly pint glasses that we've seen at so many breweries over time. You know, I don't know how to, if I've ever drank a beer out of them, but I've definitely noticed them on shelves. So I think you should try things. And worst case, it doesn't pan out. You have an item to give away to maybe your mug club members, your loyal customers as a thank you. So I think you definitely need to look outside the box sometimes because we've all seen the same swag items everywhere. You get your koozies, you get your coasters. And does anybody actually need another koozie or coaster, John? No, no. I don't know. And, you know, same with glassware. You know, My neighbors really here. like them. Every time I get one, I give it to my neighbors and they they use them. I have a bin of all the koozies I've been given and nothing against them. So there are some really cool ones in there. I'm not a koozie person, but I think think outside the box sometimes. I mean, the same goes for, you know, industry partners who are looking at industry brewery swag, you know, find something that's going to stand out on a shelf, but also something you're going to want to have in your home, whether it's a piece of clothing that you wear or some sort of unique. And I've got like a, 
wood stave bottle opener that I really like that a company made. And literally it has a logo on it. I can open my beer bottle on it. I mounted it on my wall and I see that logo all the time. So I think you really need to think outside the box and whether that's, you know, asking your most loyal customers some weird item they like to see or simply getting your team together for a brainstorming suggestion and trying out the three top ideas. Awesome. Well, we'll leave it at that. And, uh, a lot of food for thought, a lot of merch for thought for all of the listeners. So, Andrew, thanks for being on the show this month. I really appreciate, I appreciate it. you, John. Have a great one. How have you embraced food at your nano brewery? And what's selling well in your gift shop? Let us know. You can email us. It's nano at byo.com. And I'll invite you to head over to byo.com slash nanopodcast. There, you can subscribe to the newsletter, the magazine, and you can catch up with great pro brewing content. New episodes of this show are released on the 15th of every month, so subscribe now and never miss a show when it's released. And you can also do us a favor by leaving feedback on your podcast platform of choice or by emailing nano at byo.com or checking in with us on all of the BYO social media channels. And as always, thanks to this episode's sponsors. Yakima Chief Hops has the tools for your hop playbook, from classic favorites to the next exciting hop project out of the YCH R&D Lab partnering with growers and brewers to create a robust hop supply chain from propagation to pint. YCH is the source for exciting experimental hop varietals, including HBC 586, HBC 630, and HBC 638. Explore novel aroma profiles, discover new recipes, and get creative with experimental hop varieties. Learn more at yakmachief.com. This episode is also sponsored by Blickman Pro Brewing. With superior engineering and unrivaled service, Blickman Pro Brewing Equipment is designed from the ground up to generate a quick return on your investment by getting you up and running as efficiently as possible without sacrificing quality. These systems are versatile and flexible enough to give you room to grow with a modular design that can fit any space. Visit BlickmanPro.com to learn more about their 1 to 10 barrel brew house systems and cellaring equipment. And this episode is also brought to you by Fermentis. Hey, nano brewers, discover Safe Brew BR 8 by Fermentis, the first dry bread for secondary fermentation. This yeast strain is a reliable tool for attaining a slightly funky, specific phenolic character to your beers and is available in 100 gram sachets, as well as the whole Safe Lager and Safe Ale yeast range. Discover more about Safe Brew BR 8 or other yeast strains by going to fermentis.com. And you can get access to hundreds of hours of on-demand videos covering small craft brewery strategies with BYO's Nano Plus membership. Learn from craft beer experts, watching replays of past NanoCon seminars, plus a complete library of in-depth workshops. You'll also have full online access to all of BYO's digital content and an annual print magazine subscription. Check out BYO.com slash Nano Plus for more details. I'm John Hall, and you can still find me weekly behind the microphone on the Drink Beer, Think Beer podcast from All About Beer. Find it where podcasts are found, and I hope you'll tune in. Our theme music was created by Scott McCampbell, and we thank him for that. And once again, be sure to check out BYO.com slash nanopodcast for all of your nano brewing needs. And for now, we wish you all the best for a small but successful brew day.